Welcome into the Snapped Podcast. My name is Tyler Kluber, and I'm a former Division I athlete turned entrepreneur. I run my own fitness and nutrition coaching business, as well as a sports media brand that produces podcasts, sells merchandise, and creates exclusive paid content. The fun part is I don't really know what I'm doing as a business owner. I'm just figuring it out day by day. This show, Snapped, acts as an audio journal for my thoughts and ideas on fitness, health, business, mindset, and whatever else I find important on the pursuit to personal happiness and a balanced life. I hope you can take something from the show that makes your life a little bit better. And regardless, I'm just happy you're here. Let's have a day. Let's go. And here we are, Snap Podcast. Welcome in to today's show. I'm not even gonna say that it's gonna be a quick one because it probably won't be. If you're here because you saw me post about this on social media, which is something that I don't normally do with this show. Welcome in. I'm going to try and make this one today a little bit more polished than they normally are. However, again, if you are new, this show, as I say in that intro, is more of an audio journal. It's more of a creative outlet for me. I don't view me creating this podcast as a professional endeavor in any way. It is simply an appendage of uh, the greater sum of things that I post as as someone in the fitness space. Um, There are two to 300 individuals on a regular basis at this time that that show up each week and uh, get something from this, I hope. They continue to show up for some reason at least. And if... uh, if you're new and you like this, hopefully you can go back through the episodes, sift through them, find some episodes that uh, maybe pique your interest, try to name them and put descriptions on them that really get to the point. I feel like I put a lot of good information out about sleep and nutrition and working out, diet, hydration, motivation, things like that. I haven't done many business things, so it's more of a health thing for now. Um, but I'm glad you're here. Today's episode is, as you can see from the title, uh, something about, I don't know what I'll name it, but something about how you talk to yourself, your mental self-talk, specifically when it comes to negative thoughts that aim to derail you. And that could be from several things. Today, we're most likely going to talk about, not most likely, we are going to talk about um, specifically inside of a workout or that moment in time before a workout where you just feel like, I don't want to do this today. Or when it comes to you sitting down for a meal, how you talk to yourself about how that meal is going to go, how much you're going to put on your plate, if you're going to choose this food versus the other. And this is pretty nuanced. It's a little bit detailed and was sparked by a, a friend from back home who I grew up with. Um, sending me a question yesterday uh, from our, our hometown group chat that said, you know, he's obviously aware that I'm the fitness guy. And he straight up asked me, hey, serious question. What do you tell yourself when you want to quit? And I, as those who listen to this show know, I like to make this episode weekly about something that is relevant that comes up in my life within this realm of fitness, health, and so on. It was a really good question. I didn't have to think long. I work out enough that, and and to intensities that require 
a lot of self-talk. The voice inside my head that I have curated since, I would say intentionally since 2015, the summer of 2015. So we're going on just over eight years now. Um, and I have a story that goes along with that because, uh, which, which is why I know that moment is one that I'm really proud of. One that I believe leads to a lot of my success, uh, you know, my self-determined success. Uh, one that is responsible for what many of the people on the outside see as me living a disciplined life. And I think it's something, quite, honest, quite honestly, it's so important to me that it's sort of a, a, a pillar of my life is how I talk to myself mentally language before it ever becomes language. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, and so a lot of people may listen to this and think, this doesn't even apply to me. I don't even have goals at which you know my self-talk becomes that serious. I would argue against it. I think we all have goals. I think we all have things that we're chasing after in life and which are going to require effort. And when you're on the path to that goal or to that progress that you're looking to make, you're most likely going to require, uh, going to acquire, going to, um, be met with resistance because most things I would say all things, I haven't found one yet that are worth having in life. You know, whether that's, uh, a super, super, uh, a very superficial thing, like a, like a nice body, right? When it comes to the health and fitness stuff, a nice body, a good diet, big muscles, you're strong, you're fit, whatever, a good job, a, a tight-knit family, great friendships, hobbies, other competitive pursuits, a bunch of money, whatever it may be. Anything that's worth having is most likely going to be difficult to acquire. It's not going to be easy to get. Otherwise, people would just get it, right? In fact, it sort of works backwards because something is hard to get, and a lot of people don't realize this, but because something is hard to get, it's novel. It is not held by many, right? There's, not, there's a lot less people that are rich in the world than, uh, than are, and that wealth is seen as valuable for multiple reasons, but one of those reasons being because not many people have it. Wanting to be different, wanting to have things that few have is actually uh, quite possibly the, the life motto, the, 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 the creed that I live by. And I think that this self-talk idea is, um, is a huge pillar in, in trying to succeed in those pursuits. It's important at a baseline level because it's never going to go away. Now, I suppose I did see on Twitter some weird thing where only like two-thirds of people have an internal dialogue. I don't think I believe that. If you're one of those people that doesn't have an internal dialogue and you actually don't experience self-talk, then we might just have to get you on the show because that is sort of fascinating in itself. But let's assume you are. Let's assume that you go about your day and you are having conversations, thoughts inside your head. Um that you can sort of detach from and, and notice like, oh, I'm having these thoughts. I'm having this conversation. Because they're there regardless, I view it as something 
as a positive to be able to control those versus the opposite, letting your thoughts control you. And because they are just random, scattered, uh, unintentional, undirected, oftentimes if you're just letting whatever thoughts pop into your brain control your life, I don't see that as being productive or positive. In fact, to some extent, you might say the, the extreme of letting your thoughts control you would be something like schizophrenia or something like that. Um, and, you know, maybe on the other extreme is like uh, a David Goggins or a Jocko Willink, if you're familiar of, of those two individuals. Um, somebody, you know, name or think of the most disciplined person you know. Someone who controls every single thing that they do. We'll talk about Goggins here in a second. Um, I remember the summer of 2015 when everything flipped for me. I was entering the second full summer, second full off season of my college football career. My, what was going to be my second year as a starter on the field, make, you know, actually being an actual contributor. And I was up until this point in the program, not only as an individual, but as part of my smaller position group as a specialist, kicker, punter, long snapper, uh, seen as probably, you know, we could pull my teammates, but I would say not pulling my weight. I wasn't, I wasn't some, you know, jerk off the field or, uh, you know, a bad guy by any means, but I could have been doing more academically, probably athletically. I was a young guy who was sort of given a starting position due to lack of competition. Although I think I would have won that competition anyway, if it was there. So I was seen as someone who had sort of not earned the role he was in. And at Iowa, a large part of the respect you get as a player, both from your teammates and the coaches, comes from that off-season strength and conditioning program. At the time, headed by uh, infamous Coach Chris Doyle. There was a day where we were sucking wind. It was a tough day. And some would argue, certainly me up to that point, that basically every day, of the summer conditioning program was a tough day. This one was more particularly tough, um, physically challenging, even for the studs on the team. And as we stood there on the line, I can still see it in my head. Coach Doyle would walk up and down along with the other coaches talking to us in between the reps. Uh, let's say we had 10 or 12 reps of uh, sprint conditioning this day. And it was middle to backside of the workout, so he knew that guys were struggling. And the message he decided to convey that day was, what are you telling yourself in your head? How do you talk to yourself? Are the thoughts that you're creating along the lines of, hey, I feel good. There were some expletives in there as well. Something like, hey, I feel fucking good. Give me another. I could run all fucking day. Or are you feeling sorry for yourself? Are you telling yourself that you want to quit? 
it was a directive that literally in the moment flipped my entire mindset and approach to our off-season strength conditioning. I was up until that point what I would call surviving and not thriving, not competing. And I became a different person inside the program, both physically and uh, we'll call it socially, respect-wise for the remainder of my career, the next two and a half years. And that directive of how are you talking to yourself became a theme. It came up a couple more times and I started to dive into that and over those next two and a half years used it to my advantage and since then have used it even more. And I buy in more and more to this concept every single day because I believe that you can choose your thoughts. You can choose at least the way that you interpret and respond to the stimulus in your head. My belief system has actually evolved into, and I'm sure you've heard some form of this before, but I believe that your thoughts are language in your head. It's the language you hear talking to yourself except for those weirdos without the internal dialogue. And they become language that you use with other people. Thoughts are and become language. Language becomes action. Action becomes behavior. And behavior drives results. So if you follow that downstream and you buy into that, the thoughts you're having or at least how you respond and how you first interact with those thoughts, all the way downstream effect determines potentially your behavior, your routines, your habits, and what you're going to get out of life. I see that as something that we should, be, that we should try to control. So I'm going to go over a few, and these are mine, right? And at the risk of sounding like a total D-bag, which this will come off, some of these will come off across as a total D-bag, but that's okay. It's just for me. I'm going to be vulnerable and share them with you. They're not even all polished. They're just sort of ideas of how I deal with stuff. Um, I'm going to go over three different areas, two when it comes to exercise, one when it comes to food, um, but you could apply this to anything that you don't want to do or that you meet with resistance in your life. And you'll get the idea uh, of thoughts that I have when I encounter that resistance myself. So I think for a lot of people, you know, for me, I, I like to work out. I want to work out. I told my wife last week, I go to bed and make the last thing I do before I go to bed is I check my training layout for tomorrow for the next day. I sit there and as I fall asleep, I think about the workouts with motivation and fire because I just, it's my thing. I'm one of those few people. I don't often have the, oh, I don't want to work out today. But for most people, that is the case. So how do we get through that? How do you talk to yourself? What do you say to yourself when you get that thought of, I don't want to, I don't feel like it today. I'm not motivated. I'm a little tired. I'll work out tomorrow. 
I've done enough. All things that I have experienced, again, this one a little bit more rarely than a few of the others I'll talk about here, but how do we respond? Are you the person that just gives in to your, to your self-talk? Do you have any self-discipline? Do you have any accountability to yourself? That's the first place I would go. I would ask myself, if I were you, what are my goals? It's actually why, and I do this a lot with clients, sometimes we make our goals not performance-based, but habit-based, routine-based. The goal is not to squat 300 pounds or uh, lose 25 pounds on the scale. It is actually to just make it into the gym four times a week. The goal is the consistency because the consistency will take care of the other stuff. A lot of people need the goal to be making it into the gym, getting the 30-minute workout in, regardless of how it goes or where it takes you. What decision in that moment when your mind says, eh, I'm feeling a little tired. And don't get me wrong. There will be times, especially if you're in a groove and you're pretty consistent, that your biofeedback, you actually might be too tired to work out that day. You actually might, it actually might be better to take a rest day. But generally we know inside of our head, if we're just being a little soft or if it's real. Most of the time, we're probably being a a bit of a puss. We're being a bitch. What decision in that moment is going to get me towards those goals that I set? The things that I wanted to achieve. And this one makes it very easy because most of the time, and I like it, I, I like, I liken this to be one or zero. It's binary. Every decision in your life is either going to take you further away from the goal or closer to it. There really isn't a lot of just hanging out, staying in the same place. Take stock, take inventory. You're going to find that going to the gym is probably the decision that gets you closer to your goal. And that's it. There's no negotiating. You don't negotiate with yourself. You answered your own question. Going to the gym is the answer. Get to the fucking gym. I understand I'm a little brash. It's my style. You're going to hear more of that in a second when we get to my self thoughts. Um, Sometimes I ask myself, am I the lazy guy? Is that who I want to be? In general, if you heard about some other guy skipping workouts and "Ah, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next week, what would be the thoughts you have about that person and their dedication? Because now you can disconnect. Now it's not you. What would you say about that person? You'd probably call them lazy, not committed, not accountable. It doesn't change. That's you in a different body. Don't be that guy unless you're okay with it. Am I the guy who takes shortcuts? Am I the guy who isn't disciplined and takes shortcuts? Start to build up that negative wall of, okay, if I do choose this path, I'm seceding to these traits, to these descriptors about me. And potentially who I am. We'll be accountable to ourselves if we set a plan. If we build a mountain of evidence against making that unhealthy decision. A co- another common one that I will use is what would the average guy do? Again, going back to sort of my life mantra being I want to be the guy who has the things that most people don't have, who does 
the things, who has the routines, who's uh, what I would call the 5%. We had a, uh, going back to Iowa football, we had a concept called 95-5. What do 5% of people do that the other 95% of people do not do that makes them special? What would the 95% guy do? Hey, he'd probably take the day off. Ah, we'll sleep in. Yeah, we sleep in, eat some cereal. We'll go tomorrow. Okay. Not a surprise why that person's average just wasted a day. What would the 5% guy do? Question and answers become very easy. And again, I don't have a lot for that one because I usually am motivated to work out. The last one I'll say there is if you are feeling that resistance, here's a trick. You can trick yourself. And there's a, there's another, we'll get to this idea a little bit later as well. Just go and tell yourself that you're going to warm up. You're just going to stretch and roll out and warm up. And then we'll just call it a day. We'll call it a, a, a mobility day, a recovery day, an active recovery day. Take a walk. I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to do a little jog. By the time you get in, you get the blood flowing. You beat that little mental sort of invisible barrier of getting yourself to the gym or getting yourself down to the garage or the, uh, the basement, wherever you do your exercise. Once you get past that block, now your blood starts to flow. You get a little sweat going. You're like, I'll do a couple, I'll do a couple exercises. I've used this trick so much and it works better than anything. Just get yourself to the gym. This next one is the one that I have to use a lot. You're working out. You made it to the workout. You're in the middle of the suck. It hurts. Generally, this is going to be associated with cardio stuff, but it could be within some lifting stuff too. The origin of the question came from the friend who is training for a marathon. So he's doing a bunch of long runs right now. In fact, I think the marathon, oh, we're probably six weeks out. So we are in some long mileage days for this friend of mine probably 10, 12, 15 range. How do you keep going when it hurts? And this is going to be the douchey part. I, whether it's true or not, within my own world, am convinced that I am elite. I'm not just one of the 5%. I'm one of the 1%. I'm one out of 100. Extrapolated out, I'm one of a, a group of 10 guys, if you lined up 10,000 or a thousand dudes, when it comes to fitness and working out and diet and nutrition, I'm one of 10, the best 10, right? I have built my self-esteem and my confidence and my identity within fitness and health on the backbone of I am the best. That right there holds me accountable a lot of the time. And I think that maybe you don't care about being the best or the 1% or even the 5%, but maybe make it the 20%. Or I want to be one of 10. I want to be, if there's 10 guys, I want to be the best of the, those 10. I want to be one, or, one of the two best in a group of 10 or 20 dudes. Or gals, ladies, sorry. Building up your self-confidence, your identity. For me, it's very public, so there's an added layer of uh, accountability here where if you know if I show up on Instagram or Twitter or someone sees me in person at a at an event for the brand 
uh, and I'm just all of a sudden fat guy, then people know I'm a fraud. Think of yourself, even if you have to create it before it's real, as someone who is doing all the right things, who is showing up, who's pushing through the hurt. Same question here. When it hurts, what would the 95, what would the average guy do? Quit? Probably quit. What does quitting get you? Ask yourself the question. If I quit right now, what does that get me? Is it worth it to quit? It hurts. My muscles hurt. My lungs hurt. I don't, I don't think I can keep going. I encourage you to listen to David Goggins. I think he has two or three episodes on uh, Joe Rogan's show. He has a book. I think he has two books. The first one's called Can't Hurt Me. Talks a, a lot about all of this sort of mindset. It's basically his whole life. He said something along the lines that stuck with a lot of people of when you think you're done, when you think it hurts and you can't continue any longer, when you can't run another step, when you can't lift another rep, you might be at 40% of what you're physically capable of. Your mind is going to stop you before your body does. And generally, that's a good thing to have. We've evolved that way. Because when you do reach actual physical body exhaustion, well, now you're playing with being you know, seriously injured, hurt, dead. So your mind, through the signals of pain and discomfort, is going to stop you long before your body will actually shut down. This is a very extreme way that I tell myself I obviously um, compete and train CrossFit uh, very high intensity workouts that include everything, running, lifting, gymnastic stuff, uh, all the stuff that hurts. And the goal is to literally do more reps or go longer. Or a lot of times there's a set amount of work and you're supposed to do it faster than the other person. It often leaves you in a pain cave. And a thing that I tell myself a lot is I'm not dead yet. I'm still breathing. I'm still having these thoughts. I can still feel my heartbeat. I ain't fucking dead yet. And as long as I ain't dead, and I haven't obviously seriously injured myself, broken any bones or whatever, then all I'm experiencing right now is some high heart rate, some heavy breathing, and a little you know acid buildup in my muscles. Fuck that. Why would I stop? Because it hurts. We get into this place of you are going to have to be uncomfortable to find progress. You've heard that before. I know you have. Oftentimes said in the uh, fitness community, if you want to compete, you want to be competitive, you want to be very fit, you have to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Or you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You just have to get used to, to not feeling great, to not, it, it, you're not going to get any better. Your muscles are not going to get any stronger if you don't strain them, if you don't overload them. Your lung capacity, your ability to run is not going to get any better. You're not going to be able to go any further if you don't go put those miles on your legs, on your lungs. 
And if you're not dead, it's kind of that old adage that, uh, that the parents will use when the kids go downstairs and they're playing. Hey, as long as no one's bleeding or dead, don't call me. That's kind of the approach I take. Heart rate at 180 plus, sweating, breathing hard in the middle of the gym, middle of the day. And if you're my neighbor, you might walk by and hear, I'm not dead yet. <sighs> I'm not fucking dead yet. And I'm that weirdo. I'm the guy who will say it out loud. Goggins uses, they don't know me. They don't know me, son. And I love that one. That's one that I use a lot as well. And I think Goggins and I are on the same page here. They don't even give a shit. Every single one of you listening to this podcast right now is off doing your own thing, living your own life, you know, figuring out your own issues and, and problems when I'm training and lifting weights. And when I, Tyler Kluver, am out for a, a run or a, I'm on the Peloton or whatever it may be, you guys don't give a shit. My fitness isn't important to anybody else. Nobody cares. But in my head, I'm imagining that there's a thousand people watching me. I'm imagining that when I'm on the bike, it's set in the middle of the Coliseum and the whole place is packed. And every single person is looking at me doing my workout thinking, there's no way he can keep going. Nah, he looks tired. I think he's going to quit. He's breathing pretty heavy. I think he's going to stop. And to those imaginary people that I build up in my head, I say, they don't know me. They don't fucking know me. I'm going to prove them wrong. Sometimes you have to create it, even if it's not real. I turn it into a game. I know personally that other people with the same goals as me competing in the CrossFit world are hurting too. The best are going to go through training that is uncomfortable, hurts, and, and poses extreme challenges to them physically and mentally. And so if I know they're hurting and I'm hurting, now it's a game of chicken. Who can endure more? Who's willing to hurt a little bit more? And in the end, if you're someone who's been on a fitness journey, has seen results, gotten to see progress, and you've been through some of that struggle already. You've made it through. However you did before, whatever you told yourself before, whatever got you to the gym, got you working out before, you've seen 10, 15, 20 pounds fall off. You've seen yourself build muscle, look better, feel better. In the end, the, the easiest one is you got to relate the results that you've got back to the work you've put in. You've proven that you go through a little struggle, you get results. So when you feel that struggle, don't see it as a sign to quit. When you're on mile three of a four-mile run and you know that running and lifting weights has been what's gotten you to a place where you're at, you see that as a stimulus of, oh, this is what gets me there. This hurts. This gets me progress. This will get me the result I want. And ideally, you've prioritized getting those results as something that's very important to you. Finally, and this one's diet related, not as fun. We all experience this one, you know, like, oh, the donut's sitting right there on the counter. And this one's probably unhealthy, but like, you know, 
it is what it is. Again, this is what I tell myself. It's like, am I the fatty? Am I the guy who just, you know, what, what is the, uh, what is the unhealthy junkie food person do? They get hungry. They don't plan ahead. They grab whatever, whatever's available. They stop at the, at the nearest place that looks good. Hear an ad on the radio for the, the latest item at the local fast foods spot and using right there. Again, you just, you're, you're asking yourself the questions. You're playing this game ahead of time. What's the smart move here? One or zero, which one gets me closer to my goals right now? I'm about to hop off this podcast. I already have my lunch made. I've got 12 and a half ounces of Jasmine rice and six ounces of ground Turkey waiting for me for lunch today and some raspberries. Great lunch fits into the context of my overall daily diet, protein, good fuel for my workout later, all the things, or I'm an adult. I'm 28 years old. I could drive my ass to KFC. There's a pizza ranch right across the street. I've lived in this house for six years. I fucking love pizza ranch. I haven't eaten there one time. Part of that's because the wife doesn't like it, but I haven't eaten there one time. I work from home. I could walk over there, sit my ass down at the buffet. Not once. In the moment, and this is what it comes down to. Can I make the decision now for the results later? Because if I don't, those results will not come. Sometimes you have to break it down into the literal, what does eating this food actually get me? Cool. For 15 seconds, I'm going to get to taste this food. I get that quick dopamine hit like I'm a drug addict. Then what? It goes into a a ball of food with everything else you've consumed that day into your stomach. And it's doing, it's probably at that point causing you distress. If it's something that's that tasty and junky, what does it do for you other than that quick hit of, Oh, that tastes good. I get it. Sometimes we want that, but wouldn't it be better if we were making decisions off of what made us feel good long-term instead, instead of what made us, you know, what faked us out quick for a minute and, oh, it tasted so good, but now it does nothing for me. And I get it. There's room for those indulgences, right? Which brings me to my next one inside the, the diet side of this is, does this fit in today's picture of food? This is why you sort of, not sort of, you absolutely kind of need to plan out. You need to have an idea of what you're having for food each day. For me, it's each week. If you don't know how many calories you're eating in a day, if you don't know generally if you're, you, you might not need to know the number, but if you don't know if you're overeating or undereating based on how much you're burning and you actually have goals that are fitness related, you're, you're, you're missing an entire chapter of the book. If you go to eat something that you didn't really plan for and you don't even know where you're at that day, and that's a common day after day occurrence, how do you expect to make any progress? Because I'll tell you, I still eat all the good foods. I eat Culver's every single Sunday. Every Sunday for the last four years. There's some gaps in there when we're traveling or whatever. I would say 40 week, forty Sundays a year, my wife and I, we do Culver's Sunday. I eat ice cream. Today's a Wednesday. I'm having a pint of ice cream that's 1,000 calories tonight. It's all... Pre-tracked, 
I already know what the rest of my food looks like today. It's going to fit within my calories. I eat pizza, pasta, bread, burgers. You can have it, but you have to puzzle piece it together. Does it fit within the context of the day? And then finally, again, this one's a little harder and and most people aren't going to care about this, but once you start to recognize this biofeedback, it becomes extremely crucial. This one, I feel like really hits home with people who start to get older, 40s, 50s, into their older age, is how does it make you feel? People who are a little bit more, they gain a little discipline, they get a little bit more experience in life, and they're like, ah, I love pizza. But every time I eat pizza, it's a bad night. Spend all night in the bathroom, whatever it may be. Is the food that you're about to eat going to fuel you for your physical goals, whether that's losing weight or the workout you're going to have, is it fuel? One of the best quotes I've ever heard is, eat to live, don't live to eat. Everything that we put inside of us should be intentional. And people are going to have drinks. People are going to have desserts. People are going to indulge. That can be intentional too. You should do that 10, 15% of the time. This is all going to take a lot of practice, tons of practice, and it's never something that you're going to have to stop working at. Again, I started this in 2015. I became a little bit obsessed about it. Clearly, I'm doing a 45-minute podcast on this now. There is no end where, oh, for the last two years, I've worked on my mental talk, and now I I don't have to be active about it. I'm just immune to negative thoughts, undisciplined thoughts popping into my head. No, it's going to be forever, but you can craft it. You can hone it in as a skill. And the better you get, again, Jocko, freedom, uh, discipline is freedom. You're always going to have to deal with it. And in the beginning, and this is how I I had to do it. You might have to lie to yourself. This is one of the biggest things that I dealt with for a long time in those conditioning reps for the next couple of years. I'd have to lie to myself. I'd have to tell myself, yeah, give me another fucking rep. I want more. I didn't want more. My body hurt. I was not uh I was not tuned in enough yet, not nearly to enjoy that that grind, that physical pain of of exertion of the strength conditioning program yet. I wanted to quit. I wanted nothing more than to walk inside, grab a protein shake, and lay on the locker room floor. But I would tell myself, yeah, give me more. Yeah, give me another. I'll stay out here and run all day, baby. Yup. Give me another fucking rep. Let's go. And for a long time, I was lying to myself. And then two years later in 2017, before my senior season, there was a day where it flipped again. And I was no longer lying to myself. I had brought myself mentally through self-talk to a place where I was actually craving the physical strength conditioning. I had actually, with the help of you know, coaches and competitive and, and you know, a lot of work over those two years, I had turned myself into someone who was now thriving, competing within the program, wanting more. Give me more. I want to be better. I don't care if it hurts. You might have to lie to yourself. Say, I want this. You'll start to believe yourself eventually. 
And that's going back to that original thought. Thoughts become actions. If you tell yourself you want it, eventually you're going to look up and say, shit, I do want this. Overall, this is a, a nuanced thing. It's going to take a baseline willingness to be uncomfortable, a desire to be different, to be the 5%, and to delay the easy decision right now for the progress and hard achievements later on. And occasionally, sometimes the strategy and all the stuff I just talked about doesn't work, and you got to tell yourself, stop being a bitch. Grow up, be an adult, make an accountable, disciplined decision. Because in the end, those who do are going to find, they're going to prosper. They're going to find the progress, the results, the gains that they want to see. And those who don't, you're not that guy. I'm built around being that guy. Hope you guys got something out of this podcast. One of the longer ones we've done in a while. I'm going to go eat my turkey and rice. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for anyone new who was here. I appreciate you guys. We'll be back again next week with another topic on the Snap Podcast. Until then, peace.